Hey friends, welcome to Living in His Purpose podcast, where we recognize that in God's purpose, He has the perfect spot for you. If you're a Christian woman and you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious by this rat race way of life and you're ready to find simplicity God's way, you're in the right spot. By replacing negative mindsets and habits with God's word, we're going to give Holy Spirit permission to come in and help us walk bravely in this upside down world. These are not easy things to face, sweet friend. You're going to have to put on your big girl pants. So pull them up, grab a drink, and let's get going. Hey friends, thanks for returning. Here we are and we're diving in to habits. This, I'm going to admit, has been a really hard thing today <laughs> looking at this because I want to bring this from a Christian perspective and the tools that I had to use at my immediate vicinity are not from a Christian perspective. So I spent a lot of time looking at literature that's out there about developing habits and trying to put them into a Christian perspective. So this has taken a little bit of work, okay? So when we talk about habits, what are habits? Well, habits are a regular practice and one that is hard to give up. They're shaped by the systems in your life. Good habits make life easier to sustain and they honor God. Now, as a Christian, habits are important for three reasons. They shape who we are, they shape what we want, and they transform our character. But how does this happen? God uses our habits to facilitate change. The things that you do shape who you are. They affect and they guide you. So God uses our habits to shape who we are. Think of habits as gathering firewood, but God is the spark that starts the fire. He's the one who gives purpose and reason to our habits. What you do shapes what you want to do. He's working through our frequent practices, which are habits, to bring about change in our lives. And habits transform our character. So we see this in Titus 2.7. He says, And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. In our habits, we're giving God an avenue to actually work through us. And if we have godly habits, then he has a pile of wood to spark. But if our habits are ungodly habits, that's prohibiting God to work in our lives. When we determine what habits we should be implementing, we need to remember that they will make it easier to honor God. And in that, we are fulfilling his commandment found in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, where we are commanded to love God with all our heart and then to love each other. Habits aren't all about efficiency and productivity. I mean, they are to a point, but that's not what they're all about. God created us with the ability to learn and develop habits. We aren't born knowing how to drive a car. We had to develop the habit of driving a car. Some people still haven't developed that habit. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but habits have a purpose. They help drive us to become more like Christ. That's not an intended pun that just happened to work out that way. <laughs> this is what differentiates us as Christians from the world, okay? He uses these habits to help build us into the person he already says that we are. So, you know, everybody wants to know, where do we start? What kind of habits do I want to pick up or start or get rid of? How do we determine where to start with them? Where do you start looking in your life to decide what kind of habits you want to begin creating? Well, I was watching a video today uh, I, that was really phenomenal, and I will include the links below. It's from a website called thinkbiblically.org, and it's on a series about habits. And he mentions these different, different spheres that our life fits into. And in my mind, I kind of saw them as a pyramid. The base of the pyramid, we see that as our spiritual life okay the very bottom 
it's like a cornerstone. That's how I remember that because Jesus is our cornerstone. This spiritual life of ours, it's where our purpose in God is found. These are habits that are focused on God and your relationship with him. If you go up on the pyramid to the next level, we see our personal habits. These aren't selfish habits. They are the things that only you can do for yourself, like your thought life. You need to think about what is pure and lovely. No one else can do that for you. Only you can do that. Only you can change your soul to do what it is that you know you need to be doing. How you feel about things, how you interact with the world, that's only what you can control. The third step up is our family level. If you're not having good inner familial relationships, then this is where we need to put our focus. The fourth step up is vocational. This is where we work and we're called to be workers. To think about this in a tiered fashion, you can't put your focus into your work if your family life is crumbling. You need to prioritize. And finally, the tip of our pyramid is our social tip, how we interact with our friends. It's important, but it's less important than, say, let's having a job or your family or your relationship with God. This pyramid, it's a great place to start thinking about what kind of habits you want to create or eliminate this year. We need to remember to make them in a way that pleases the Lord. One thing that we need to remember is that God is going to give us the energy and the desires of our lives. When we look at Philippians 2.13, it says that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And I don't know about you, but I find that to be such a relief. He's going to give me the energy to do what pleases him. He's going to give me the energy to start these habits and he's going to align me with him. And when I'm aligned with him, then my desires are going to be what pleases him. It's all what he said. He's going to give us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And this is how he does it. He does it through our habits. What we accomplish in life Habits are a form of a frequent obedience, okay? We use them to pursue character traits. In 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10, Peter says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. He's calling us to become very specific in what we're doing, what we're thinking on, what we're working on. And that's what habits are. By frequently practicing these traits, we are the sum of our habits. If we have good habits, we're promoting godliness. If we have bad habits, they're contributing to issues that we're having. So how do we develop habits? Here we go. Well, I would recommend, first of all, to revisit the pyramid of priorities I just mentioned a minute ago. We have our spiritual, personal, familial, vocational, and social. You got to start at the bottom and make sure that your base, your foundation, your cornerstone, which is Jesus, you need to make that relationship whole first. Nothing else is going to survive if that is not whole. Secondly, you identify specific habits that you need to develop, but you have to make them concrete, measurable habits to develop goals, okay? You can't just say, I need to be more patient. Well, that's great. And some of us would never say that. <laughs> but what are you going to do to get there? What is the habit that you're going to do to get to you being more patient? Okay, so this is what I mean. I would say something like this. 
I'm going to be more patient by counting to 10 before I open my mouth when someone irritates me. That is a very measurable goal and that may or may not be one of my true goals, <laughs> my true habits. That's going to help you develop your goal. Your goal is to be patient, but the habit is going to be I'm not going to open my mouth because I know what's going to come out and it's not going to be nice. It's not going to show patience. And in parentheses, I'm also not going to sigh or roll my eyes. Okay. Thirdly, we need to set a frequency to our habits. First of all, you got to keep it simple. You need to realize that change is slow. So be realistic. We need to see that faithfulness, not ferocity, is going to get us to our goals. So your frequency goals would be something like this. I'm going to read my Bible five days a week. But you have to be realistic. If you haven't been reading your Bible at all, five days a week may be a lot. Maybe three days would be better. It's not too hard. It's not pushing. It's doing something, but it's simple, okay? And that's not, you know, and if the five days a week is too much, then knock it down. As you get firmly established in your habits, you're going to be able to build on them. You want to start small. Fourthly, we need to build a community. And this happens in the local church and through our church family. We can receive encouragement and give encouragement to be faithful. We have a form of accountability built right in. If we're all in the same boat going to the same place, we kind of know what each other needs. The fifth thing we can do to help develop our habits is to evaluate our surroundings. Look to see what's causing friction and not allowing good habits to be established. So here's an obvious one just to kind of get your mind thinking. If you want to encourage someone who has a problem with drinking, you don't tell them to go hang out in a bar, right? If you're having trouble with your time management, you need to eliminate the things that are pulling for your time. If you want to become a reader, you want to read more, you set books out on the tables in the rooms that you're in, you make your environment such that it encourages you to do that habit. This may include evaluating your hobbies or different people groups or your job. All of these things encompass your environment and you may need to change your environment to cut down on that friction. And then lastly, to develop your habit, you need to practice. It's a real habit when you have a compulsion to do it. Habits are formed based on frequency not time. So you know, you hear it said that uh, you have, it takes three weeks to develop a habit. Well, if you're doing that habit every day or two times a day for three weeks, then you're going to develop that habit in three weeks. But there's nothing magical about time passing. It doesn't matter if it's been 21, 30, or 300 days. What matters is the rate at which you're performing your habit. So you could be doing something twice in 30 days or 200 times in 30 days. It's the frequency that's going to make the difference. The goal is to continually string together enough successful attempts. Okay, so let's talk a little more practically on your habits. Rather than setting very lofty goals for your new habits, What if we think smaller? How do we achieve more with less effort? Habits are easier when they fit into the flow of your life. If your habit seems like a hassle, you're not going to want to do it. If you make it very simple and you accomplish it, you are going to get a sense of satisfaction of accomplishment. You're going to be encouraged to keep going. So some of us are a little bit of procrastinators. And there's this little tip that I read in Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is really a good book if you want to get into the details of habit building. But he talks about the two-minute rule. So if you have something that you want to do, but you're just finding it really hard to motivate yourself, just tell yourself, two minutes. It's all I have to do. If you're wanting to read more books, so you want to become a reader, don't go to, don't say, I'm going to read for an hour. You say, I'm going to read for two minutes. There, your measurable goal was two minutes and you did it. You accomplished your goal. 
Don't be consumed with giant expectations. We're trying to become better by 1% a day. You can't improve a habit that doesn't exist. So the important part is just to get started. The holy grail of habit change is not a single 1% improvement. You can't stop there. You need a thousand of them. It's a bunch of little habits that stack up on one another. There's no finish line in this. It's a continuous process. And remember, as Christians, we're always on our road of sanctification. Embrace that. Show yourself grace. One of the things that the book Atomic Habit does talk about that I really appreciate, he says, forget about goals. Focus on your systems instead. And here's what he means. So let's look at football. Every football team starts out with the same goal. They want to win the Super Bowl, right? Okay, well, there's a difference between the winners and the losers. They all have the same goal, but how they win or lose depends on how they implemented their system. And so the one who does get to go to the Super Bowl and wins, they did better with their systemization. Even if you didn't have goals, you would still get things accomplished by having systems in your life. It's not about the goal. It's about changing your systems. And the systems are those little habits. And these little habits contain a lot of power. Even though they're daily, they're small, attainable habits that we can implement. Bottom line to creating habits, you might start a habit because of motivation, but the only reason you're going to stick to it is because it becomes part of your identity. For example, your goal is not to read a book. Your goal is to become a reader. Your goal is not to run a marathon. Your goal is to become a runner. The goal is not to learn an instrument. The goal is to become a musician. Your behaviors are usually a reflection of your identity. And this is where we need to remember where our identity is, which is in Christ. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. We have this ability in us, and this is how he's going to transform our hearts. He works through our frequent practices, i.e. our habits, to bring about change in our life. So the first way to shape your identity is to decide what type of person you want to be. What kind of person in Christ do you want to be? Do you want to be more loving, more patient, more kind, more faithful, with more self-control? Of course we do. The great news is we have this power within us, within our spirit who's being led by Holy Spirit. Come on over to our soul and say, hey, you are all of this. This is a gift of God. You are kind. You are loving. You do have joy. You do have self-control. But I believe a lot of us have this mindset of unbelief. We just don't believe it. And what a wonderful battleground Satan has pulled us onto. We don't see what the spirit sees. And so we continue on with this identity that we're impatient. We have no control. We're not kind. We don't love. We have no joy. All those kinds of things. So maybe you're not sure what your identity should be as a Christian. And I would suggest that you go to the word of God, of course, and start by reading the epistles, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians. Start with these books. And I'm going to tell you that for two reasons. One, they're short. You can read them in 15, 20 minutes. And second, they're packed full with lessons and commands and insights about our daily lives and our identity in God. What I want to encourage you with today is be okay with small wins. Building your habits isn't about littering your day with life hacks. Yes, there are some things out there that are good to know, but those aren't the end goal. The end goal is how do you see yourself and what is it that you would like to change? All that begins in your mind with your mindset. Start with the pyramid I listed below. You can pick an area of your life that you feel called to focus on and take it to the Lord because honestly, he's the only one that can help us. Put it to prayer. 
go to the word of God and listen to what he has to say. And once you see how God wants to, you to live your life, you're going to realize that he doesn't want us to set these goals that are only going to help our physical self now. He wants a deeper connection with us. He wants to work with our personalities, our habits, and our lives right where we are now so he can show us how to live in his purpose. I hope that you've gotten something out of this episode. It's been a delight. I've learned so many things personally that I am now changing my mindset about, and I hope you have too. I would love for you to leave a review if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the podcast episodes. Uh, Follow, share, subscribe, share it on social media, and I will see you next time. Thanks, friend. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for being here with me, and I'm hoping that you received a word. Let me close with a passage of scripture. Rejoice in your confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. By doing this, sweet friend, you're going to find that you can take those thoughts captive and change that mindset and be anxious for nothing. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time.